those will be important to go through. You'll see I gave almost all of the information in the sermon. I was very few blanks this morning. Um, and that, we did that for a reason. I'll talk about that in, in just a moment. If you're at home, uh, if you go to the windoverhills.org website, just go on bulletins and you'll see these notes there. And I know it's very hard if you're at home to actually fill in blanks on your phone. So that's another reason why you'll see most of them are filled out this morning uh, for you. And let's just take a look at, at this. What we're talking about this week is how to have... How to have a daily devotion time. And so if we were to follow stats, what we would know is that somewhere around 3 to 5% of Christians have a daily time in God's Word. And those 3 to 5%, that would range from maybe you have a, a, a daily devotion book you read, and it's, each page is, has a date on the top. There's some very popular ones uh, out there. And maybe you read something like that, and it could go all the way to you open the Bible and you actually kind of study a passage for a while. But only 3 to 5% of people, of Christians, actually have some type of daily devotion time. For most Christians, the Bible time they get is what we get on Sunday morning. Now, if you've ever been in a sport, an activity, a hobby, something like that, you'll always know there was a coach somewhere, there was an instructor somewhere who told you or gave you a little speech that said you can't accomplish all you need to accomplish during the practice time. You ever heard something like that, you know, at football practice or what? what what's, they want you to go home and work on it. Now, I coached baseball all, all, most of my life, most of my adult life, and it's so skill set driven that it's just impossible to develop the skill set fully in practice. So we would say the same speech. And when we think about this, it's the same way. It's impossible to really engage in God's word, to really become biblically literate with just what we hear on Sunday morning. So we're going to teach you how to get in God's word every day. We're going to do something called inductive Bible study. Inductive means you're getting into the word yourself and you're letting the word tell you what it wants to say. Now, deductive on the other side would be you already know what you think about it, and you're looking for a verse to support or back up what you think. There's a place for both, but in your daily devotionals, we're going to encourage you to actually get in God's Word and let God's Word tell you what it wants to tell. A couple reasons for that. One, it usually pushes you to engage in more than a verse at a time. It pushes you to engage in a passage, and it's always better when you want to think about the meaning of a scripture if you're looking at a passage or a little bit longer uh, uh, biblical um, narrative. So the second thing uh, is that the meaning becomes clearer when we read uh, more than just one verse and we allow that to speak to us and tell us what it wants to say. Here's the third thing. Um, you might have been wrong to begin with. You might have taken something in, a thought you took in, and you decide, I'm going to find some verses to support it. And you know what? It's pretty easy if you want to take half a verse here or there somewhere in Scripture and to support just about anything you want to think of. But when you do inductive Bible study and you open up and you read a larger passage and you let that passage tell you what it wants to say, we find we start stripping away things that we thought about the Bible that when we read the Bible are really not about the Bible. And so that's why we're encouraging inductive as well. 
So there's uh, five things we're going to look at today. We're putting it in an acrostic called SOAPS, and it might be somewhat familiar to you. Uh, it was kind of a Young Life tool, if you remember Young Life and been involved uh, in that as well. Uh, Evangelism Explosion also used this as well, though they called it something else. And so it might be somewhat familiar, um, but we'll take a look at it uh, nonetheless. So if you got your notes, let's look at the first thing. The first thing we're going to do when we do this type of Bible study, daily devotion Bible study in the morning, is we're going to start with the scripture. We're going to start with a passage. Why is that so important? It's true, there might be times in your life where maybe you're going through relational issues. You're going through financial issues. You're going through uh, issues about maybe loving yourself or caring for yourself or how you're compassionate to others. And you want to look for passages that might challenge you in those areas. But on a day-in and day-out basis... It's important in a daily devotional to just go to Scripture and read Scripture and to walk through Scripture. And so we're going to start with Scripture, not your own thought or your own idea or a topic. We're going to start with Scripture. Take a look at your notes this morning. Let me just read it like it, it, it says in there. You're going to choose a passage and read or listen to it at least twice. Now, let's just pause there. We never do this, Right? I mean, think about the last time in Bible study, you've gone and you've read a passage, and then you've read it again right away. We don't normally ever do that. But in this type of, of thinking, it's important that we actually really let the Scripture speak to us. And the rock star of this is the Scripture. And so, for us, we're going to challenge ourselves to reread the passage. Now, if you're in there and you're saying, I'm going to study... Nehemiah chapter 1 through 4. That's a long read to read twice. So you may have to adjust in something like that. But in general, if we're looking at some passage or some section or a place where maybe our, our Bible editors have given us headings, you know, and we know the next three paragraphs fall under this heading, I'm going to look at this today. Those are pretty easy to read a couple times, to read through it twice. Almost always when we read through it the first time, we get the gist. The second time, we get the understanding of what is really being said. The third time, we usually find the details as well. And so that's why a lot of times in our inductive Bible study styles, we actually read a passage three different times. Or we read it twice, and then we ask somebody, hey, could you explain it in your own words like you heard it? And so there's this three times engaging. It's significant. In fact, uh, there are times where we challenge people, read the scripture or read it and then just rewrite the scripture if it's a shorter one. Let's say it's a, it's a one paragraph, like you just rewrite it. And there's something about grasping that and gaining that because we're spending time in the word. So here's the second thing, write down verses or phrases that stand out to you that you want to remember. One of the ways I do it instead of writing them out is as I read it the first time, I just underline anything that just jumps out. There are times when I don't even know why it jumps out. It just kind of feels like that's something of significance. Or maybe there's just one word that I go like, oh, oh, that sounds familiar. Not sure why. I underline that word. Maybe you've read Genesis chapter 1, right? And then you study John 1. And you're like, oh, this starts with in the beginning, in the, oh, in the beginning, and you just underline it. You're not even sure what that all means and how it's tying together. So you underline anything or write out anything on the side 
that you might want to remember or that stands out. Write down things you might want to understand better or have questions about. Maybe you read something right away and they said, and they went to the Festival of Booths. And you're like, well, I'm doing a 15-minute daily devotion here. I don't really have time to study the Festival of Booths this morning. Um, you just write it out on the side with a little question mark. You can come back to it another time and study. What was that festival? What was that all about? Well, you learn it's one of the five key festivals that they learned, that they, they came and they, they learned about God's provision and, and that type of thing. And all of a sudden, the passage opens up even more when you understand that. But sometimes we have to write that on the side and come back to it. We start with the scripture. Here's my encouragement to you. Use a big passage. And when I say big passage, you don't have to say, oh, I got to read 50 verses. No, what I'm usually telling Christians, because our go-to is to read one verse or one or two verses. A lot of times we read one or two verses that we already know pretty well. The challenge is go get into a passage, which actually, if you're doing a daily devotion, could lead to the challenge of get into a book of the Bible and you're reading a section each morning. And you're looking at this scripture each morning. Let's say you wake up one morning and you're like, man, I'm so rushed. Things did not go the way I thought as soon as the alarm went off. I got to get out the door. I got to do this. Um, and you've got five minutes or four minutes to do a daily devotion, right? Go to the scripture. Read the scripture. Reread the scripture. And that might be what you have that morning. And though I'm going to teach you some other steps that are super important for a daily devotion, just think of how powerful it is if you start your day in God's Word and you've received God's Word. Most, not all, most of what we read in daily devotion is commentary about God's Word. Nothing wrong with that. That's an important step, right? But what we're challenging you to do in this form of, of daily devotion is to get into God's Word yourself. In fact, in some way, you're going to become the commentator because you're going to learn and you're going to read God's word and you're going to let it speak to you. Scripture. We start with scripture. Here's the second thing is observation. We just simply look at the passage. After we've read it a couple times, we're going to look and we're going to ask certain questions. Now, I know my friend Hutchback here was a detective, right? You know? And when he had the title detective... One of the big things, and we've talked about this when we used to be gym mates, is uh, the questions that you ask, right? You ask a family, you ask somebody, you ask somebody, a suspect or something. The questions you ask are incredibly important. It's the same with, with the scripture. The observation would come with what questions are you asking about the scripture? And so let's just look at this and find some questions. As you read and reread the passage, Ask questions about the passage like the ones listed in the following bullet points. We're going to read them in just a second. Write down your thoughts, ideas, and any truths that are processing from this passage. I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to ask myself some questions. Here's a question. What did you like about that passage? Have you ever allowed yourself to ask that questions? What do I like about that? Man, I love the compassion of God. I love that... The kids are running around. The disciples are like, don't bother Jesus. Get these kids away. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the kids come to me. Jesus is saying, I love the kids. You know, I like that about the passage. That's, that would be an important observation to know what do I like, what's connecting with me. 
Another passage, another question to ask, though, is did anything concern you? Do you ever just brush off or not even allow yourself to ask that question because you're like, hey, this is God. This is the Bible. Man, I got to love everything in here. Now, this is a good question to ask. Is there anything that concerns you, concerns you? There's a couple times in, in the Gospels where Jesus is pretty harsh. He says to the Pharisees, you travel over land and sea to find one convert, and when you do, you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. That's a pretty direct, <laughs> harsh passage Jesus is speaking to the, the Pharisees. I might want to say, hey, what is that one all about? That doesn't sound very WWJD, right? And so this question is important. Did anything concern you? You might be reading passages in the Old Testament sometimes where culturally it is totally different than we would think in any way. In fact, it might be culturally very different than it even was in the New Testament or in Jesus' time. And sometimes you have to stop and go, whoa, wait a second. Why did they do that? Those are important questions. Here's another one. What does this passage teach us about God? Or maybe you'd say, what does this teach me about Jesus? You read a passage, what does this tell me about God? What does it tell me about Jesus? This is like your superstar question to ask. What does this tell me about God? Last three weeks, we talked about the Sabbath. And if I were to take what I have learned, even in the Christian world for many years, into that, before I would start a series on the Sabbath, I would look at the passage, I would already say, this is about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. That's what I would think about in terms but when you go and you read the passages that we worked through the last three weeks, and I ask the question, what does this passage teach me about God? I start to learn a character of God. I learn a compassion of God. I learn a God who brings them out of, ex, uh, out of slavery, and he says, now I want to give you life that looks totally different. You don't have to live that way anymore. It's this God of compassion, why would I ever whittle that down to a list of what I can and can't do? I'd be missing a key, key component that is helped when I ask this question. What does this teach me about God? I read about Jesus, right? I read about things that he did, and I ask, what does this tell me about Jesus? There's a passage speaking of Sabbath. We read it last week where Jesus heals the withered man's hand, right, on the Sabbath. But before he does that, is this little bit of dialogue. There's a little dialogue where he says, hey, tell me, is it right or wrong to bless somebody on the Sabbath? He doesn't even say the word heal. He knows where he's going. To bless somebody on the Sabbath, to do good to somebody on the Sabbath. Well, the Pharisees, I mean, they know. They can't say, oh, that's wrong. You shouldn't, you shouldn't bless people. shouldn't do good for people on the Sabbath. Like, there's this dialogue. What does this tell me about Jesus? Jesus is about blessing people, caring for people showing compassion, and even healing people? These are important questions. But equally as important as this question, what does this passage teach us about people? What does this tell us? <laughs> you just got to, yeah, okay, that was me. So what does this tell us about people, right? This is a really important question because really human nature shows up a lot in the Bible. And maybe we wouldn't take a passage and put it on 100% of the people, but we can, we can understand some general, generalizations about people when we look at God's word. There are some times in the Bible where we actually find people respond with 
hate and anger and frustration when they're inconvenienced. Even in God's word, we see that. And we ask this question, what does this tell us about people? Wow, that's kind of how we are a lot of times. I get third in line at the grocery store, and I'm like, oh, damn, something open up a different line. You know, like it comes out when we ask these type of questions as well. There's another question that, that comes forward. What does this passage teach us about sin? Now, this may not pertain to every single passage you read here, right? You may be doing a, a Bible study and you read a passage and you go like, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with sin. And maybe you move past this question. But if there is something in there, if there's something Jesus is speaking against or God is speaking against or he's talking about the destruction we bring to ourselves or unwise decisions, or we want to perk up. What does this passage teach us about it? All right, so take a look at these next uh, uh, four here. They all start with, with the word is, and you're going to find that they don't all apply to every passage you, you read, but they're important questions. You might ask them quick in your head, and you might be able to dismiss it and move on, or it might really stick depending on the passage that you're reading. Is there an example to follow? I mean, if we're going to read God's word and not put it into action, what are we really doing, right? So is there an example to follow? Is there something to pull from this passage that I could say, there's a clear example I should be following in this passage? Maybe you're studying a Proverbs and you're reading through it, and you might notice that the first half of Proverbs is kind of set up a certain way. The structure is a certain way. The second half of Proverbs, it looks like a bunch of disconnected phrases about wise living and unwise living. And, and sometimes you're like, how did this even become a chapter? These things don't seem to go together. But when you read it and you ask the question, is there an example to follow? You might go like, man, there's eight examples to follow here. And we start to put it into practice in our own life. Is there a command to obey? There's not always a clear command that we're given, right? But other times there are times when it's very clear what we're to do. We just studied the last three weeks. If you were looking at Exodus chapter 20 and you were studying it, and let's say you hit these passages, these four verses on the Sabbath, right? You would walk away from those four and go, wow, there is a clear command in here from God. And you might even go like, and it's clear that most Christians don't follow it. But you would receive that because you're asking the question, is there a command to follow? Is there an action to take or to avoid? Is there something that this passage tells you to do, act this certain way? Is there a promise to claim? This is an important one. In the Bible, there are a lot of promises. And we always want to ask ourselves, who is this promise being made to? And is this promise something that I can claim as well? Some passages have a promise that is not for you, and you don't need to claim it which is why we're asking you to read a larger chunk because you'll see the context. But there are many, many promises that God is making for all of us, for us to claim. God who is with us, a God who loves us. Those are important promises to claim. And then here's a final one, and this is really important. With whom should I share this truth? Or does anyone need to hear this in my life? You might right away think as you read this passage, Man, mom needs to hear this. Dad needs to hear this. My brother needs to hear this. So-and-so that I work with needs to hear this. You know, the lady next door needs to hear this. And on and on and on. With whom should I share this truth? That's an important question. Why? Because on our own, we don't normally think 
about somebody to share God's word with. We have to be intentional about it. We think about someone to share the movie we just saw with, right? Or something else that happened or something we're grumbling about. We don't often on our own think about sharing something that God hit us with in the scripture. But every day, if we're having a daily devotion, God is going to have this opportunity where he shares at least one thing with us that we can go share with somebody else. So scripture, observation, the third one, application. Now we're just putting it into practice, right? Take a look at your notes. As you're reading the scripture, think about what it means to obey these commands. That's important, obey, and the concepts or the concepts in your life. Ask yourself this. Here's the question to ask when we think about application. What do I need to respond to? How, excuse me, how do I need to respond today in light of what I've just read? What would I have to do? Is there an area of my life in which I need to do things differently? And you write this down. Writing it down is incredibly, incredibly important. I don't know about you, but when I was uh, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, you know, men, maybe, maybe you can resonate with this. You know, I'd lay in bed at night. I think about that girl at school that I liked, but I never had the guts to talk to, you know, and I'm, and I'm writing, you know, the way I would say a certain thing or, or, or dare I say there was even times where I wrote certain poems in my head as I'm laying there that I never wrote down those type of things. And when you wake up the next morning, you don't remember any of those. Or if you do, they sound really stupid, right? Um, it's so important to write things down. Now, maybe for some of those girls, it was better I did not write those things down. That could have gone disastrous. Um, but to write down your thoughts, write down, God just told me this. Every once in a while, somebody will come up uh, after church, and they'll say, hey, thanks for that, or God's word spoke to me, and here's what I'm going to do. And then they walk out. And I'm, I'm blessed to hear that, and I'm excited to hear that. And then part of me is wondering on Tuesday, do they remember that commitment they made as they walked out? Because sometimes it's easy to say it or it's easy to think it, but when we write it and we can come back and look at it, that's important and impactful. Here's another way to ask this question. If I believe this is the word of God, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with this? If I believe this is the word of God, what am I going to do? When Jesus challenges his disciples to take up their cross and to follow him daily, remember, he hadn't gone to the cross, so they didn't have that image with Jesus yet, but they understood what he was talking about. They understood that symbolism. What am I going to do with that? If I believe this is the word of God and God's challenging me, application. In your application, you won't see this in your notes this morning, so write it on the side. Make your application measurable. Make it measurable, right? If you, on January 1st, you woke up this year, and some of you probably did this because I didn't, said, I'm getting in shape this year, right? Did anyone say that? You don't have to raise your hand, right? Get in shape. You're not getting in shape this year, right? If you said, I, I, I'm, I'm eating better this year, nah, you're not going to eat, eat better, right, <laughs> this year. I'm going to be kinder this year. You're probably not. But if you woke up and said, all right, I am going to start going to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I've got these two people to hold me accountable, you've got a good shot at getting going on that, especially if the people you chose 
are, uh, can be a little bit of jerks in how they ask you. Did you, are you go here? Hey, I'm here. Or the one I love the most is when they take a picture of an empty piece of machinery at the gym and they send it to you, you know, saying, what's missing here? You know, that kind of accountability is super important, right? Or if you say, I'm going to be kinder this year, and then you say something, and that friend goes, uh, excuse me, that was not kind, and I know what your commitment was this year. Like, that, you have a better opportunity of that if you would, <laughs> if you would have that type of approach. So in this application, make it measurable. Make it measurable. If you say, I'm going to this year, I'm going to memorize a passage every week. It doesn't have to be a long verse. I'm going to find a verse, and I'm going to work on memorizing it every week. That's a measurable goal. Because at the end of the week, if somebody says, hey, recite John 3.16, and you can do it, that's a measurable goal, right? It's helpful in that. Now, we're not asking you to get legalistic on this type of thing, right? But it's helpful in your process, in your application to this as well. The second thing on the application is set a timetable for it if it's applicable. If God hits you and says, forgive your mother, set a timetable. Say, I'm calling her on Tuesday. We're going to talk this out. Don't leave it open-ended. Set a little timetable to say, you know, like, I'm going to get a new Bible because the one I've been reading, I, I don't understand it. I know there's some translations out there. I'm going Monday afternoon, and I'm going to get that Bible. Or I'm going on Amazon later today, I'm going to get that Bible. Or I'm going to call Pastor Tom and say, hey, t- help me with the translation. You set a little timetable on that type of thing. Application. Put it into practice. This one's so important because there are many, many Christians out there, maybe you've been one, who will study Scripture they love observations. You know, they love to dig down in there, right? I mean, they, you can go with applications and, and, or observations, and it's probably across the board, big notebooks filled up because they love that type of stuff, and, and so do I. But they're very light, almost non-existent on application. And the question would be, so what then? So what about the first two if we're not putting it into practice in our life? Now, it is true that the Lord sometimes reveals applications slowly over time with some things that he's challenging us. Sometimes we're hard-headed for a little while, you know, and we're telling God, I get the application, God. I'm just not wanting to do that right now. I get it. I get it. The journey, there's, it's about direction, not destination. But we've got to ask these questions about application if we're going to have a really significant daily devotion time. Hey, here's the fourth thing is simply to pray, to pray over what you just did. And I'm going to encourage you, actually, to pray and to write out a prayer. Take a look at your notes. Let me just read what what you got there. Stop and think about what you've just read and sensed from this passage. Take a few minutes and ask God's Spirit to speak to you about specific things you need to do in light of this passage. Kind of goes with application. Write down anything you feel you need to do. Then write out a short prayer that tells God what you've read in His Word, what you've understood about obeying His command, and what you plan to do to put into practice on what you've learned. Now, I know what some of you just panic there because you don't ever write out anything. If you, wrote, if you were to write one sentence, like your hand would cramp up, you know, because we're just not used to writing. We either type, but every one of our phones, all you have to do is grab it in your notes and hit the record and you just talk it now. And you can put your, your prayer right in there. Why is this so important? Because now you have a prayer you can repray 
over and over and over. There are some times when I believe the Holy Spirit has this moment in time in somebody's life on Sunday morning where through the music or the spoken word or whatever, the Holy Spirit has kind of, kind of, you know, lack of a better term, got its claws in them there. I'm just clutched in a little bit. And they're like, yeah, this is what I need. This is what I need. But some people have learned that if they can just hold on and just resist what the Holy Spirit might be saying or pushing or doing, and I could just get done with church and get out the door, they know that they feel like, oh, it all kind of let loose and lighten up and they can kind of move on with life and not have to do anything with the challenge. There are sometimes even in our daily devotion where the Lord is really speaking to us in that 15 minutes or half hour or however long yours is. But then we go out and if we haven't written anything down, we can go out and we almost start to forget or we almost start to say, I don't know what I was thinking or feeling there. But when we write it out, especially in prayer form, guess what? We do the devotion on Monday. On Tuesday, we go back to devotion and we look at that prayer and go, yeah, that was an important prayer. And we re-pray it or we re-read it. Maybe you read it several times a day, but it starts to really embed. In fact, it's actually what the word meditate means. I realize our kind of our new age stuff has taken that word meditate and they've used it for their own purposes. But if you look in God's word, meditate shows up regularly. And it simply means that we dwell on it over and over and over and over. Here's the last thing. Share. This is an important step. In fact, it might be the step that you have to be the most intentional about, especially if you've already been doing daily devotion. Share. Prayerfully reflect on who needs to hear the truths God has revealed to you. If we're thinking in terms that we are on mission and that it's our job to share the good news with other people, what better way than to take what you've studied and to go share it? We do this with TV shows and movies or books that we've read. It's the same thing. We just take what we've just encountered. But here's the great thing is what people really want to hear from you is how is God's word or how is this Christianity thing really working in your life? How is it really changing your life? You say a prayer at camp one year and you become a Christian, right? Which is important. We love that. We celebrate that. But you go 30 years later and you're like, I can't really think of a time where God has really done anything that I would want to run out and share with somebody. Chances are, maybe not 100%, but chances are you're not engaged in God's word daily. Chances are you're not plugging in God's word this way where you're observing and applying and praying over these things. Because when we do that, it's amazing how often there are things that we want to go share or that we have to go share. And this step invites us to be intentional about going to share this with someone else. And so we just think, who is it, Lord? Who would I share this with? Who would I share this truth with? It doesn't always have to be uh, somebody who's not a Christian. There might be a Christian that's struggling with this type of thing. You might have been, right? And we find somebody that we share this with. So those are five steps that we walk through for uh, a daily devotion, scripture, observation, application, prayer, and share. Hey, grab your Bibles now, open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Ah, see, it's not just me, huh? Mark chapter 4. Let's take a look at, at verse 35. 
let's just briefly, well, we'll just briefly walk through and do this. All right. Here's what it says. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let's cross over the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind. And he said to the lake, silence, be still. The wind settled down, and there was great calm. And Jesus asked them, why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Hey, would somebody be willing, I know this is impromptu on you, to stand up and, and oh, you don't even have to stand up, to read from your translation, to read it one more time, just out loud to us? Somebody? Tracy, please. Yeah. At home, you can do this on your own. Just the next person that didn't just read, read. But Tracy, go ahead. All right, great. So you might have saw already, especially if you didn't, you had a different translation than the two we read, you're already picking up on little differences in your mind. It's so good. It's already putting things together, and you've grasped that passage on a deeper level because you read it a couple times. So we read the passage. We chose this passage or read it, and uh, I'm thinking, well, what jumps out here? Well, there could be a lot of things for us. You know, the first thing that jumped out to me is, how tired was Jesus? You know, sleeping in the boat, I can't, I can't sleep on anything but my bed, and Jesus is sleeping in a boat in a storm. So pretty tired guy, apparently. Um, anything that you observe that sticks out would be great. Then I would go to my observation, and I'd look at this passage. You've got it in front of you, and I'd ask, what do you like about this passage? Anybody give me one thing you like about this passage? Yeah, we get, the, clearly there's a divinity happening here, a miracle it seems like. Um, you know, I've never calmed uh, uh, waves like this, so that seems to be pretty divine. Yeah, we get that in here. Yeah. Anything concern you in this passage? Anybody got something that they're like, hmm? Yeah, they were followers, the closest followers. And, uh, you know, they, they obviously didn't consider Jesus could do much in this situation. So, yeah, that, that's interesting. Jesus says, why do you have little faith, right? I mean, we might think, well, they're followers. They're believers, right? They're good to go. And yet Jesus is challenging their, their faith. That might concern you some. What does this passage teach us about Jesus? Anything pop out to you? One thing would be enough if something popped out to you. Yeah, I mean, they say it at the end. Who is this then that even the wind and the waves obey him? He seems to have a lot in his control. 
Um, and you might think, too, uh, in that he, he, he seems to have some connection with God because these seem to be things that only God would be able to do, at least in our understanding of Scripture, and yet Jesus is doing this, this powerful things. Yeah. What does this passage teach us about people? Anything jump out to you? Yeah, we freak out, right? If, if, if something's not going right, we, we do. We, that, and that's understandable, right? I mean, they are fishermen. They've been in boats before. This is not their first time on the water. There's no way this is their first storm, right? So the storm comes, and what do they do? I don't, they do what, whatever boat people do. I don't know. They pull ropes and tie things off, and I, I don't know. What, does that sound like I don't know what boat people do? <laughs> yes, I don't know what boat people do. But surely they've been in this situation before, and they're doing what they would do. That's not a problem. This seems to be something greater, seems to be a doubt, a fear, a hopelessness that shows up. In fact, we might look at this passage and go like, what's the deal? I mean, they're with Jesus, you know, like so much drama with these guys. They're with Jesus, right? But that challenges us because I'm like, how often do we put ourselves in a position where we're like, I just went so far with the drama, and yet Jesus the whole time had already told me in his word I'll provide. I'll take care of you here. I'm with you here. Hey, did you think about turning to me here? Same type of thing. Yeah, tells us a lot about people. Anything about sin in here? Nothing direct about sin. Uh, we might draw some indirect things and say, you know, maybe a lack of faith or these type of things, but there's nothing that's clearly about sin. But is there an example to follow here in this passage? Well, you might say, I've been following the example of the, the, the guys in the boat, so um, Jesus gives me a different example to, to follow. I'm not sure that means if you do get in a storm or problem, just go ahead and take a nap. I, I'm not sure that that's what Jesus is teaching here. But clearly in the end, Jesus is saying, it's okay. There's a, there's a greater power at play here. Um, and that's, that's good for us to know. Is there a command to obey? Well, maybe not a direct command. We don't get in there. So that may be one that doesn't perfectly apply. Is there an action to take or to avoid here? Um, well, it seems like maybe an action that Jesus is teaching is, why didn't you come to me in the first place? I was in the boat with you um, there. Um, and you, you could draw some, some out there. Is there a promise to claim uh, as well? Well, maybe the thought of when Jesus is with us, uh, there is, uh, there is more available to us. It doesn't come out as a direct promise there. You'd be, you'd be drawing some, some conclusions there. In those questions right there, especially if you say, I'm, I do devotions with my spouse and we talk together, all kinds of stuff is going to come out. You're going to ask these questions and you're going to think about things like, is it a problem that they were panicking because of storm? I don't know. They, they've been in storms. They have to go... You know, they have to go fast and, and panic a little bit. But the hopelessness, don't you care? We're drowning. It's over. We're dead. And Jesus is like, no, hopelessness doesn't exist. No, when you're with me, there's never a need to be hopeless. These type of answers will start coming out as we ask questions more. So that leads us with whom should we share this with? Now, I'm not going to make you stand up and share. But think about one name that pops up. If there's anybody in your life that you'd be like, they really struggle in this. 
Like, they might be somebody, they're like, I know they're a Christian, but they really struggle with going to Jesus and receiving what Jesus has to offer in their life. They seem to want to jump to panic first. Maybe it's you, right? But there might be somebody else, and you're like, I I should talk to that person, you know? That's how we look at it. So then we, we take this passage and we say, hey, is there any way to apply this to your life? So I'll just ask you, like I would ask myself, uh, if this is the word of God, how would I put this into practice in my life? Is there anything I would do different in my life? Anybody got a thought that pops up? You know? And if you want to speak in general for Christians, you can. If you're not prepared to stand up and offer deep personal you know, um, confession here, that's okay. So anything Christians would they would do different because of this passage? Yeah, I realize you're always with Christ and come. Now, there are times in the gospel where people go to Christ and he gives them very hard answers, things they don't want to do. Do you remember the, the, the rich young ruler, you know, and Jesus, he came to them, hey, uh, follow the commandments. Oh, I've been doing all those things. Okay, well, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Oh, wait a second. You know, Jesus asks us hard things, but the first thing would be, yeah, Jesus is available. Go to Jesus first. Seek Jesus' wisdom, what he has to offer first. Yeah. And then we would pray. You would take that prayer. Lord, I, I, I learned this morning that hopelessness is not part of who you are and that you do have the power. Even though you were tired and you were sleeping, you have this connection with God and you have divine power as already come out this morning and i need to come to you first because i don't have that in my own humanness i need to come to you first you write out a prayer like that and you're going to pray that each day and then you're going to remind yourself at the end who is it who's that one person lord would you grant me your wisdom and your strength if you need it to go talk to so and so to go share this with whoever and see what happens there. So that's a daily devotion. That's soaps. That's a practical way to have a Bible study every day in your, uh, in your quiet time. Here's the beauty of this. Probably, I mean, if I forced you, right, you would be able to actually do this now. Like if you went out here today and I said, at 12 o'clock today, you need to lead a soaps. There'll be a small group over in one of the classrooms, you need to go lead a minute. You, are, you have the tools already. You may be freaked out about that, but you have the tools and you could do it. So if you're one that wants to teach this to your kids, if there's a couple Christian coworkers, right, that need this type of thing in your life, if you want to share this with your spouse to do together, you have the tools now to make this because reproducibility is so important in this. Well, let me pray for you. Um, I got us a whole hour out of that. You may be like, yeah, you sure did. Uh, so, but I hope it was good. And I hope you enjoyed being in the Lord's house, even though we couldn't uh, sing together this morning with our praise team. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you, your word wants to speak to us. Lord, if we didn't have any praise team any week, if we didn't have any preacher on a stage sharing, if we didn't have donuts and coffee and even a building, we would have your word to go to. We would have your word to ask questions of, and we would have your words to let challenge us to do something different in our life. 
And we have your word that is actually pointing us to someone else that we can share and offer hope to. Father, may we never substitute that for what we get when we come to this building. So Lord, engage us and push us, everyone in this room, to be in your word every day. Everyone listening online, to have a daily devotion time that looks like this, where we're letting your word speak to our heart. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.